Why don't we begin? This is Fresh Hop Cinema. Yes, it is. Welcome back to your regularly scheduled programming. This is your a uh, couple days late, but regular episode of Fresh Hop Cinema. I'm back. Johnny's back. It's a craft beer and movie podcast. We're in Chico, Calif- Chico California. Excuse me. Uh, and my name is Max Minardi. And I'm Johnny Summers. And Max, uh, despite popular belief, did not fire me. Fair. That's what I said, too, on the show. I was like, Johnny's out of here. Yeah, I, I heard. No, I didn't. I said, uh, no, I said, we are, I explained, I was out of town. You were yeah. in this town, and we got a lot of movies to cover. Exactly. Which is to say, this week we're covering two films. One is called Honey Boy. Three, bro. Three, okay, excuse me. Four, if you count my hot mother. <laughs> there you go. Uh, but two two ones that are uh, pretty new and that you might be hearing about. One is Honey Boy, and one is Marriage Story. We're going to get into those uh, shortly, but you don't have to worry about them being spoiled. We're not going to spoil them. If we do, it'll happen at the end of the show in a segment called The Danger Zone. Where there will be ample warning. And danger. Uh, we're also covering a couple beers today. They are beers that Johnny has meticulously selected from the fine, large world of craft beers and very excited to get into those. We have some comments from the marketing teams of both the breweries to get some inside scoops. Um, That's right. We're regular beer industry insiders. We're going for it. At this point. Uh, Johnny, where can people find us on the internet if they want to? At Fresh Hop Cinema on the Instagram, the Twitter, not the Facebook. Uh, maybe someday. I don't know. I don't care. Who cares? And then also at Fresh Hop Cinema on Untapped and Letterboxd. If you want to follow us for movie reviews, we keep up with that pretty good. Untapped sometimes. Sometimes, yeah. It happens. There's a backlog. But yeah. uh, mainly we're most active on Instagram and sometimes Twitter. But so. our best place is our website. At FreshHopCinema.com. Indeed. But the best, best place. Oh, God, there's a better? Extra, extra best place to really get the inside scoop on on us and our stuffs and maybe behind-the-scenes things or events that you can come to. Or we'll buy you beers. Any of this stuff, you're going to want to go to Patreon.com. It's the time of year, guys, where you might have a couple extra bucks in your pocket to oh, throw. God, this is a commercial Throw in our now. paper cups that we're just sitting on the sidewalk shivering, trying to get a little bit of podcast airwaves. Cue jingle bells. Ears. Yeah. So if you want to support our show, you can do that at Patreon.com slash Fresh Hop Cinema. Uh, we'd super appreciate it. A yeah. Buck, a buck goes a long way here. Yeah. Keeps the lights on. We're going to book an event here today after this podcast. Love it. So love it. Great. Just things you could be enjoying, but you're missing out on. Yeah. So. Well, praise the Lord for that. And speaking of which. Yes. Sweet Baby Jesus. Sweet Baby Jesus. Is our first beer of the day. It's made by Duclaw Brewing Company. Do you know what a Duclaw is? I'm sure you do. Um, it's, it is a bear claw donut covered in the nectar of a honeydew really really good guess yeah dew claw is a, a part of a an animal uh, it's like a claw that is kind of it's sort of a receded um nail or mm. t- claw basically yeah a lot of them are removed like dogs you get them removed a lot when they're puppies i don't think it's a painless experience but they cause them more problem than huh. good and they don't just come out no so it's like if I you had a ba- if you had a baby tooth that didn't fully emerge yeah it'd be like if you had a tooth growing at the top of your mouth like a wisdom tooth Yes, but in a place where if you let it, well, wisdom teeth can hurt you, I guess. Mm-hmm. Yeah, so maybe oh. it's like that. Also, I've seen them where like there's the one in the front, and there's like an extra one in yeah. front of it, like up here. Yeah, like yeah. Un, un, undescended. So that yeah. may, may or may not be what a Duclaw is. We don't know, but okay. the point is, it's from a brewery called Duclaw Brewing. They're uh, they're just outside of Baltimore, Maryland. That'd be a really weird thing to name your brewery after. That's why. I, that's why I thought it was so strange. But I, <laughs> and that's what we should have asked. Uh, when we get into what their marketing director Madeline had to say about this beer, uh, I will 
We should write her back and be like, hey, why did you guys get the name Duclaw? Well, we could just click on their About Me you think it's the on the website. There? I would almost guarantee it. Okay, well, while I look that up, will you tell me about this beer, where you got it, how much it cost, and anything else you find pertinent? Oh, goodness. Where did I get it? I got it at Spike's Bottle Shop in the research door. It was on the very top shelf, and I was immediately drawn to it because of the name. And then I read a little bit further, and it said Chocolate Peanut Butter Porter. Uh, and that just sounded delicious. So I figured I'd pick it up because it was only three bucks. Three bucks for a 12 ounce bottle of a chocolate peanut butter porter that I've never had. Uh, it's clocking in six and a half percent. Like I said, 12 ounce bottle. It is on the bottle. They have a little bit of info. Classic full bodied robust porter with a smooth dry finish and just enough hops to balance aromas and flavors of roasted malt, chocolate, and peanut butter. So rich that just one, swit, one sip and you will exclaim the name Sweet Baby Jesus. Do you remember? How often that came up in uh, Talladega Nights, The Ballad of Ricky I Bobby. I hate so much, um, not just that movie, but it's one of those movies that people t- seem to quote all the time. That and Step Brothers and like Anchorman. People like quote it like they're the first people in history to ever quote it. I, I loathe when people say, did we just become best friends? I hate it so much. <laughs> I don't know. I do know why. People just do it too much. We and it's s- not funny. There's so many quotes you could use. Leave, let that one alone. Yeah. Before we dive into this, I want to say it's not on their website. Uh, where the name Duclaw comes from. So we'll reach out again and maybe report back. Totes. Okay. So the beer has been poured. Indeed. Indeed. It smells, this whole room smells like Reese's Pieces now. Reese's Pieces. Um, yeah, that smells really, really chocolatey, really delicious. It smells stronger than um, 6.2%. How does it taste? Huh. It tastes more like a beer than I thought it would. Oh, in what way? Uh, it actually kind of drinks like um, PBR-ish. It's got like a very thin mouthfeel. Mm-hmm. It drinks like a light lager consistency wise, and it actually has a bunch of that, like that flavor profile. It's almost like a chocolate lager. I had to look back at my notes. I was like, are we drinking a brown ale or a porter? Yeah. Because it is very brown ale. Only brown ales and porters are so similar. Mm-hmm. But yeah, this one is is super thin. It definitely tastes more like a beer than a candy bar, which is not what I was expecting. Sure. Don't necessarily think it's bad. But it's no. just different than than what I had thought. What do you think so far? I'm glad that it's not overly uh, thick and viscous because I think it would start getting into sort of the the stouty kind of territory in terms of mouthfeel. So I like a lighter drinking porter for sure. I think it's good. I don't think that the peanut butter is artificial tasting or overwhelming. I think it's very well balanced with the chocolate. And I like the mouthfeel and the lightness of this beer in general. I think it's also really well carbonated. I'm a big fan of this. I think it's very good. Um it's super drinkable. Yeah, they've been making it for about eight years. It was first brewed in 2011. Uh, it won the bronze medal at the Great American Beer Festival in 2014. Uh, to date, it's it's uh, Duclaw's largest produced beer. I could see it. This They're is going a, through it. This is a good flagship to rest your hat on because this yeah. is this is something like if it was on draft, I would for sure grab it. Yeah, I think I would too. It's it's tough to find a solid, um, like a low a low drinking, low alcohol, delicious porter. Yeah. They tend to, especially when they have adjuncts like this, they tend to skew um, out of the subtle realm. And it's Not, just like, blammo, yeah. flavor. And then they, those ones that do what you're describing often become very filling. Yeah. Like you, I would drink more than one of these easily. Easily. For sure. A lot of those more viscous, super sweet, sugar bomb, pastry mm-hmm. style um you're not going to want to drink um, like maybe three of them, but no. this is a beer I could see definitely sitting back and consuming several of. Uh, I think it could actually be a little bit warmer too. Yeah, I can see it warming up a little bit. Um, I wanted to pull up, and I think I will here, but 
uh, there's a way they have a very limited uh, distribution, if I'm remembering correctly. Yeah, we should pull up the statement from there. Yeah, so if if you're if you're interested in getting your hands on this beer, um, Johnny, can you read that from where you're at on this website, or maybe not so much? Yeah, can you make it a little bit bigger? That's yes, I can. Boom shakalaka. So again, this is from from their uh, their marketing director, Madeline. Duclaw is distributed in about 19 states and DC, mostly on the East Coast. Uh, we and others outside of traditional distribution areas have access to this beer and other beers from them. Uh, what and another one of their beers called Dirty Little Freak through a program called Guest Brewer. Uh, we are excited that the beer has reached you. People listening can actually request the beer to come to their neighborhood by visiting uh, www.guestbrewer.com slash Jesus. So that's kind of a fun thing. Yeah, it's a, it's, we always talk about on the show how um, sometimes there are beers that we get exclusively in our market or yeah. you know, vice versa because there's like – I think the Midwest in particular is not maybe the the – the golden place to find craft beer. So it tends to like go from the East and West coast and like fizzle out somewhere before the Midwest. Yeah. So it's cool to see programs like this. Uh, again, guestbrewer.com. You can look up this brewery and request that this beer come to you. Uh, and they distribute it to non, I mean, not non-traditional, but markets they wouldn't normally get to. Yeah. Very we, cool. We should request that one, the dirty little freak. Yeah. That'd be fun. Let's see how well this thing works. Yeah. Let me make a note of that. That'd be kind of a fun little experiment. Yeah. I wonder what it looks like in terms of uh, finances. If you sort of, because it doesn't sound like it's a beer ordering service like a Tavor would be, or maybe it is. No, it's probably more like if you own a store, you can reach out to them and they might direct ship. Right. Something like that. Who knows? I'm, I'm not sure, but we're going to look into it because that'd be kind of cool. Yeah. That's a fun thing to do. It's a nice way that like you get your beer out there to places that actually want it. I don't know why more breweries don't do that. Totally. This is somewhat of an easy process. So Yeah. Uh, I actually grabbed the last bottle from Spikes. Oh, nice. Uh, but I'm going to go back and see if there's more because yeah. this beer is, is really good. It's not going to change your life, but it is definitely a, a drinkable, easy uh, probably good for like holiday gatherings. People yep. that don't maybe like craft beer, it's something you could introduce. Fun to share. Would you call this a dessert beer? Would you? Would it? It's bordering on dessert yeah. beer. It is uh, on the sweeter end of the spectrum, but I wouldn't say that it's a dessert beer per se. Right. I would say it's a like a chocolate beer. I think this is like the the chino pants of beer. Like you can you could dress it up uh, with like a a shirt and tie, mm-hmm. and a nice pair of shoes, and you could put it with like a chocolate mousse cake, or you could have it with. You know, just like spaghetti. Sit, yeah, or like sitting on the front porch. Yeah. Yeah. This it's, is, it's very versatile in that way. And I think that's a, a big strength. Definitely. Yeah. Are you ready to rate this beer? I sure am. But Age Before Beauty, please, Ooh. after you. <laughs> that's fair. <laughs> uh, I'm going to give this beer a 7.8. All right. I really like it. I think it's on the upper end of the spectrum of uh, porters of this variety. There are some that I like more for different reasons. Sometimes you are in the mood for something a bit more rich, more decadent, more uh, velvety. Uh, but this is one that... It drinks like a beer. It doesn't drink like syrup or like yeah. like anything weird, like a liqueur. Uh, so for that, I, I rate it pretty highly. I wouldn't rate it above an eight. I'm not like going to go to another town to get this. But mm-hmm. if it's, you know, at the local bottle shop and you're there, I would highly recommend picking it up and trying it. Fair. Really, really solid rating. 7.8. I'm going to, I'm going to one, actually I'm going to 1.2 up you. Uh, give it a nine. Oh, I think it's very well made. You're into it. Yeah, there's almost nothing wrong with this beer. It's doing everything it sets out to do. It's very drinkable, even if you don't, because I'm not a huge fan of chocolate and peanut butter. It's okay. fine. I never, I hate, I, like Reese's, okay, yeah, whatever. Um, but I really like this. And I think that says something to the effect of the balance that is struck between all of the elements of this beer coming together to make this one magical, 
delicious, um, not too braggadocious porter. I'm I think it. it's really good. So nine for me, 7.8 for you. That's Sweet Baby Jesus from Dewclaw Brewing. Uh, let us know if you get a chance to try it. We'd love to hear your thoughts. Absolutely. Moving right along, we're going to talk about a movie that has been sweeping the internet and likely will sweep the Academy Awards in a, in a month or so here uh, called Marriage Story. We're going to play a trailer, not spoiling it yet, spoiling it yet, not spooling it. You're not spoiling it at all because no. I haven't seen it. That's a good point. So we're not going to spoil it at all today. No, no spoilers for Marriage Story. Nonetheless, here is the trailer. What I love about Nicole, she is a mother who plays, really plays. What I love about Charlie, he loves being a dad. He loves all the things you're supposed to hate, like waking up at night. She knows when to push me and when to leave me alone. He never lets other people keep him from what he wants to do. Guys, you're too far. I know. It's not easy for her to close a cabinet. He's incredibly neat. She's brave. He's brilliant. She's He's very, very competitive. I'll tell Charlie what's happening, and Cassie, you then hand him the envelope. I just get nervous. Can you unserve? What do you mean, like take it back? Charlie and I are getting a divorce, Mom. You can't be friends with him anymore. Gina! Charlie Bird! (laughs) Mom! 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 What? You know, most people in my business, you're just transactions to them. I like to think of you as people. Oh, okay, good. You remind me of myself on my second marriage. Baby, I'm amazed the way you love me all the time. Part of what we're going to do together is tell your story. Did you dye your hair again? No, this is me. You don't like it? Is it shorter? I prefer it longer, but... How are you doing? I realized I never really come alive for myself. I was just feeding his aliveness. I'll never get to really be his parent again. He needs to know that I fought for him. It's not as simple as not being in love anymore. Eventually, it'll be the two of you having to figure this out. Together. If we start from a place of reasonable and they start from a place of crazy, when we settle, we'll be somewhere between reasonable and crazy. What you just heard was a trailer for Marriage Story, the 2019 film written and directed by Noah Baumbach, starring Scarlett Johansson and Adam Driver with Laura Dern, Ray Liotta, Alan Alda, and Ozzy Robertson as their son, Henry. It was released by Netflix. Uh, Marriage Story actually made its debut at the Venice Film Festival in August of this year and had a limited theatrical run in early November before being released to Netflix streaming on December 6th. This actually has six award nominations at the Golden Globes, more than any other film this year. Uh, this is the fourth time Bombback uh, has worked with Driver, uh, Francis, Ha, While We Were Young, and The Meyerowitz Stories, which we actually covered on this here show Indeed we did. in episode 90. And to give us a rundown of what he thought of this movie is our own Max Minardi. Indeed. I So, again, like I mentioned before the trailer, like people have been raving about this movie. Yeah. Um, and ra- it's one of those movies that people talk about and they end their sentence with, but it's going to destroy you. That kind of thing. <laughs> so... Um, so it came out on December 6th on Netflix and I, I just watched it uh, a couple days ago and today is I think the 18th or 19th. 19th. Um, so it had been out for a couple weeks before I saw it. Not quite a couple weeks, but almost because I knew that it was going to be a very good uh, and b probably emotionally taxing. It's a story about this couple with their son, Henry uh, going through a divorce. Uh, it is at times the divorce. I mean, is at times uh 
contentious to say the least. It's, it's a very emotionally taxing movie because it approaches this divorce in an incredibly real way. I have never been divorced. Neither have you. We know people that have, I'm sure. Um, and what I really loved, I love this movie. I guess I'll start there. It's going to easily be in my top five of the year. Um, I'm not looking forward to narrowing down that list, but I'm confident this will be towards the top. Um, it addresses this divorce in a way that doesn't necessarily demonize either person. I feel so often when divorce stories are told on film, you sort of end up rooting for and against somebody. And increasingly as that happens, people become less and less layered and more of an epitome of what they are supposed to represent for the convenience of storytelling. And here they're just two people doing their best, trying to figure it out. Um, you also listed some other people in the cast, I think, um, including Laura Dern, uh, Ray Liotta. I thought it was Liotta, but I think you are correct. Um, and Laura Dern plays Scarlett Johansson's lawyer that she hires. And then Ray Liotta and Alan Alda both play lawyers that Adam Driver hires at various points. Um, and it was really, if you don't know Alan Alda, he's wonderful. He's been in a bunch of stuff. He's He's been in Hollywood for a long time. But his, his approach in this movie, he's like the lawyer that is like, hey, I see you guys as people. I don't want to, I'm just not trying to do this to make money. So let's just, you know, be humans and try to go through it. And Ray Liotta and Laura Dern are kind of the the sharks. And they're just like, we got to go after all their assets. It's crazy. Um, it's the quote you heard at the very end of the trailer. Like if, if we start with reasonable and they start with crazy, we'll end up somewhere between reasonable and crazy. I think that was him. It might've been Alan Alda. Um, it's a wonderful movie. It's, it's not terribly long either. I think it's like two hours and it's over two hours, like two fifteen or something, but, um, I will talk more about it. I wanted to mention first the soundtrack. Randy Newman did the whole thing. Randy Newman was, he does a lot of stuff, but you might remember him from toy story. He did. You've got a friend. That guy is Randy Newman. Um, so he composed all of the stuff on here. He's not singing in this, uh, which I think is probably good because he has such a specific voice. It might take you out of it. But there is one clip of a song I want to play that is played towards the end of the movie called uh, Sergeant Pepper's Shoelaces. Uh, here's, here's how that sounds. So I was looking over the soundtrack after I watched the movie because I had heard people talking about it. And the difference that you notice in the titles of the songs before you see the movie and after is huge. Yeah. Um, like hearing the name Sergeant Pepper Shoelaces makes no sense out of context. But once you've seen the movie, even me thinking about the name of that song makes me want to cry. Oh, <laughs> it's it's so much. Um, All right. So this was obviously a powerful movie yeah. for you. Um, it's something you'd recommend, I can assume, if it's in your top five Absolutely. of the year. Yeah. Um, obviously, it sounds like it's going to be very, very impactful and possibly tough to watch. So uh, it sounds like we would just advise maybe being in somewhat of an even mental place. Yeah. Like this is a movie. <laughs> this is one of those movies that you'd like. Ask yourself if you're willing to consent to having lots of feelings. Yeah, I mean, there's part of me, too, that thinks that even if you are going through a rough time, particularly with regards to your romantic life, this could be hugely cathartic. Sometimes I'll put on sad movies just to cry with them. Yeah. Like it feels really a, yeah. good. Like, let yourself lose 
you know, yet let you lose yourself in the emotions and the in the roles and just yeah. dive in with the empathy and and just let it rip, man. So think this would this would do that for you. Excellent. What did you think of Adam Driver and Scarlett Johansson? Was <laughs> it nice to see her in something other than Marvel? leather? Oh, leather, sure. Pleather. Oh, pleather, yeah. yeah. Well, it's funny because you have sort of these two people that for a long time have seemingly become more and more known for their um larger than life or the superhero Star quote, Wars and yeah, the Yeah, Star Avengers. Wars and the Avengers. Um, this great. Somebody just posted on Letterboxd because uh, Adam Driver plays uh, Kylo Ren. He's a Star Wars dude. Mm-hmm. I don't really know what I don't really know who he is. I know I'm supposed to, but I don't. <laughs> I couldn't ever figure out that that whole the new Star Wars movies elude me almost altogether. But on Letterboxd, somebody said of this movie, Adam Driver's like divorce. No, no, no. I only mess with divorce, ah, and I thought ah. it was. Uh, it made me laugh out loud. Um, so to your point, it's great seeing them both. They're both fantastic actors. Um, we've seen that from Adam Driver. Yeah, like he's been in a bunch of stuff, and we've talked about it. He was in the Meyerowitz stories. He was in one of my favorite movies, I think of all time, called Inside Lewin Davis. Okay, um, he plays a minor part in that, but he's he's got some really good acting ability, yeah. and he doesn't really get to use it in Star Wars, which is whatever people people know him from. I think personally, the first time that I saw that from him was in the Black Klansman. Oh, if you forgot, yeah, Black Panther was yeah, a great dude. one. He yep. was great in that. He was great in that. And He's like, very talented. And it was such a subtle role, but like, so it was great. So yeah, it's nice to see some people that you're very familiar with from like huge blockbusters right. actually show some depth. Yep, and and act. Well, and it yeah. sounds like this movie's getting some serious critical acclaim. It's not performances are crazy in this, but but to your point, we talked about this with Knives Out uh, when a couple weeks ago. Um, Ryan Johnson, the director of that, who also directed Brick back in, I think, 2008, somewhere in between directed one of the Star Wars movies. Fun tie-in. What? Uh, I think it was The Force Awakens. Okay. The um, only good one. Yeah. Um, but so then like on the outside of that, he does these more independent kind of non-traditional, not sequels or superhero movies or whatever. Um, and he's allowed to do that because he kind of has the pull from these big block, but he's now a name. Mm. And I think that the credibility that having Adam Driver and Scarlett Johansson in your movie gives Noah Baumbach a... Look, my movie, look at these people. You know them, so come watch. Yeah. Like, come for the actors and stay for what they do on screen. Exactly. Come for uh, the actors and stay for the acting. Stay for the actors, yeah, yeah. <laughs> the acting. Um, but everybody in this is great. Scarlett Johansson's fantastic. A lot of this movie's been memefied. There's okay. a particular scene in this movie where they're having a fight in a, a Stark apartment. And Stark meaning? Stark, Tony Stark. No. Yeah. Uh, Stark, very uh, not decorated. There's just not like an empty it's white room. walls, basically. Okay. Um, a uh, very neutral ground for them to fight in. It was appropriate. Um, but, and like people have joked about it. People have criticized, like it's not acting. They're just yelling at each other. It's like, watch the scene. It's it. I, I think I started crying three points in this movie, three distinct moments. Mm. And that's one of them. It happens in that scene. Uh, not going to spoil any of it for you, obviously, but it's, it's incredibly powerful. And to, yeah, to answer your question. Yes. It was great seeing them in the stuff. Nice. Yeah. So that's Marriage Story, and I can't wait to watch it. That sounds like a great recommendation. Thanks for uh, bringing some info for that. Yeah, it's on Netflix. Check it out. Watch it. You have to watch it, I'm going to. But listeners, also, please watch it. Go watch it right now. But we're going to take a break real quick. Be right back. Get into Honey Boy. Ladies and gentlemen, if you are in need of some delicious food, beer, wine, cocktails, and maybe even a gift card 
to sneak under the tree for Christmas, you should go down and check out the Handlebar right here in Chico, California. It's a great place to eat. It's a great place to drink. It's a great place to bring your family. And they have a happy hour seven days a week from 2 to 6 p.m. You get a dollar off all their draft beers. Again, seven days a week from 2 to 6 p.m. That's the Handlebar right here in Chico at 2070 East 20th Street. Take your family down. Take your friends down. Take yourself down. Don't forget, they've got gift cards. So give the gift of the Handlebar this holiday season. Country real hard. Be a 12-year-old. Pie fight. Ugh. It's not a pie fight. Think it through. What's your mother got a job for? Just in case. In case what? I don't In case know. you fail. In case it don't no. work out. Yes, man. She's filling your head full of fear. I pump you full of strength. Because we're on a team, and I know you got what it takes. You're a star, and I know it. That's why I'm here. I'm your cheerleader, honey boy. Don't need to talk about my dad. Good take, good take. You did it, you did it. Good job, everybody. My dad's not the reason I drink. He's the reason I work. I'm getting Come, it. Come here. Come here. Child life yeah. I have good instincts? Yeah, I got rodeo instincts. clown instincts, so well, I could never make it in Hollywood. You could if you started when I did. How do you think it feels to have my son paying me? How do you think that feels? You wouldn't be here if I didn't pay you. All right, that's a trailer for Honey Boy. It's a film written and based on the life of Shia LaBeouf. It was directed by Alma Harrell. Uh, it stars Shia LaBeouf, Lucas Hedges, and Noah Jupe. They all play – well, that's not true. Shia LaBeouf is actually playing a version of his own father. Lucas Hedges plays a Lucas Hedges-aged Shia LaBeouf, and Noah Jupe plays the same thing. Uh, Noah Jupe is probably like 10. Lucas Hedges is mid-20s. Uh, this film came out on November 8th in the United States. It runs an hour and 34 minutes long. It's rated R. And as of December 15th, it's made $2.7 million in, in the few theaters that it's shown in. Where did you see this? Pageant theater. Yeah. Right here in Chico. Yeah. It wasn't showing at, at the Tinseltown, uh, the Cinemark one. No, the Tinseltown let me tinsel down. Nicely done. It was playing at a Cinemark in Reno, which is where I saw it. I saw it uh, on a, I think it was on a, t- no, I saw it on Wednesday, Tuesday. What's nope. today? Thursday. I saw it yesterday. So yes. Uh, and I saw it at like one thirty in the afternoon with like four or five other old people. Yeah. And other uh, old people. I like how you lump yourself in. Um, but it was a really nice viewing experience. I, I'd heard a bunch about this movie. It's been promoted pretty well for a movie of relatively small stature. Um, what did you think about it? 
I really, and what were your expectations? I actually want your expectations first. Jeez, man. Sorry. I just didn't want I want to get there that out there. Is there anything else? Probably. I'll cut you off in a second. Go okay. ahead. Okay, cool. Uh, my expectations were um, I didn't know a whole lot going in, so I went in kind of open-minded. I, I had the general premise that like Shia LaBeouf wrote a movie where he plays his father. I wasn't very cued into the nature of their relationship, anything like that. So it was more just um, went in with kind of a blank slate and pretty much just trusting Shia LaBeouf to write a good movie. So Why? Because um, I think he has it in him. I think he's uh, an artist. I think he's got a very deep intellect, and I think some of the things he does and the choices he make uh, kind of add up in my mind to him having the potential to be a very good writer. Yeah, I agree. Thank you. Yeah, that's very validating. I, I think I, I like Shia LaBeouf. We talked about this with Peanut Butter Falcon. Totally. And granted, he didn't write that movie or anything. But, but also, what a one-two punch of movies for him to I come know. out with this year. Right. Dude, get out. Yeah. No, not that movie. Different no. movie. Um, good as well, though. Very good. Different. Yeah. Uh, so my expectations were moderate to hopeful without too much information. And I like going into movies with not much info. Uh, it helps me keep an open mind. Didn't really see any trailers for this. Just a brief snippet here or there. Uh, what I experienced was something that was far beyond my wildest expectations. I don't think I've ever seen a movie that dealt with trauma and catharsis and um, therapy and just the relationship with the father and son in such a, a deep and heartfelt and like just crushing way. Uh, and like playing your own abusive father in a movie is like the most boss level, like grasping your trauma and shaking hands with it that I've ever seen. Uh, it's one of the most like visionary performances that I've seen in a long time. It was just, it was it sounds so cliche to say, but it was kind of like transcendent. Like you forgot that he was playing his own father. It was like just this character. And it was it was so deep on so many levels that I think it almost deserves a second viewing just to kind of wrap your head around. Um, I loved a lot of the visuals. It was really pretty to look at in a lot of places. And a lot of times it was very dull. I think the use of color in this movie really added to the overall feel. Um, but Front to back, dude, this movie, it got me a few times, a few times for sure, where I was just like welled up, like, oh my God, it was very moving. And uh, just seeing the editing, I really liked the way this movie was put together in the jumping back and forth to like, you know, basically present age, like, because it centers around a child actor. Yeah, it's worth noting they changed the name for some reason, like the kid, the kid, Noah Jupe and Lucas Hedges play Otis, mm -hmm. um, but it's pretty clear we're all. It's like that's Shia LaBeouf for yeah, sure, exactly. And there's little references throughout, like Noah Noah Jupe's Otis, the younger one, like acts on TV yep. shows, and it's like maybe this was even Steven's kind of time. And then right. the the movie opens with an opening shot of a um, an explosion and him being dragged on a on mm -hmm. a high wire. Yes, it feels very Transformers to me. Exactly. <laughs> like there's these kind of little nods where it's like just in case you didn't know. Yeah. But I really liked the the jumping back and forth between things happening in his childhood and then, like, not even spoilery, but like him processing those things in at like present time, sure. and then it jumps to the future a little bit. So, I think the way this movie was put together was was really neat too. It yeah. never felt boring or stale. It was super engaging. Uh, the performances were incredible. I've already heard Oscar buzz for this movie, and quite frankly, I could see every bit of it. So, all that to say, I absolutely. Absolutely dug this movie. 
What did you think? I, so expectation wise, I was pretty informed as to what was happening. I'd heard a lot about this movie. I've been following Shia LaBeouf pretty actively since Peanut Butter Falcon. There was a great little series I discovered on YouTube, and I think it's called Actors on Actors. And they, you just sit down, two people who are famous actors sit and just chat for like 45 minutes or an hour. Oh, wow. And there was one with Shia LaBeouf and Kristen Stewart, who was in a movie coming up called Sebring, uh, which I am also looking forward to seeing. But you really get – Shia LaBeouf has famously been uh, – had some issues with drugs and alcohol. He's been multiple DUIs, rehab a bunch. So um, that in and of itself, the arc in this movie about that is really interesting. But since he's been clean, there's like a different side of him that you see. And Gianna made a joke when we were watching that Actors on Actors thing like – well, this is why this guy was on drugs. Like this brain needs to be slowed down. Mm. Like there's so much, there's just something about him. I don't know what it is, but he's, he's got some intangible, like, um, I don't even know the right word. Maybe charisma. Was it an intensity? It's definitely intensity. Like, and, and you can see that in his performance here playing his, again, like that's crazy. Playing your abusive dad is just like, and it's worth noting his dad is like a rodeo clown. Yeah. So this performance could have probably pretty easily become caricature And I don't think it ever really does, which is nice. Um, so all that to say, I was very excited to see this movie. I'd been looking forward to it for a few months. Um, and I saw it, and I think mostly it lived up to what I was hoping it would be. I don't think it's a great movie. I think it has a lot of really good ideas. And similar to Shia LaBeouf's brain, from what I can tell, uh, has a million things going on a lot of the time. It's one of the most interesting openings that I've seen for a movie. Um, you sort of establish this jumping back and forth in timelines and you get this really crazy montage of what his life is like uh, modern day ish working on movie sets and dealing with his anxiety and he has trauma, but you don't know why um, it's really great, but I think it doesn't fully deliver um, on some of those ideas. At some point, the timeline stuff felt a little bit arbitrary to me. Um, I would have liked it if it were uh, a little bit more, if I could latch on to exactly why we were jumping when we did, mm. I don't particularly love the way or the depth at which the sort of auxiliary characters were portrayed. They didn't have a lot going for them outside of what we saw on screen. And I think that could have been developed more. I also think, and not spoiling this too much, the way that this movie resolves isn't, uh, I think it is not totally, I don't want to say valid because it's his story and maybe it is to him, but um, to me, it didn't fully work. Mm. We can talk about that more later. Yeah. But I think Lucas Hedges is great in this. Noah Jupe is fantastic. Um, what do you think about Shia LaBeouf in this? I liked him a lot. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, it's, it's hard for me not to. I like him in almost everything, it seems, lately. Um, I also like Lucas Hedges. Shia LaBeouf has such an interesting voice. Mm -hmm. It sounds like he has an accent, but he, he's not from anywhere that would give him an accent. So Where's he from? I don't know. I think he's, he's definitely from America. Yeah. Um, I thought he did have a touch of an accent. I don't, he does have an accent, but it's not, it's not a regional one. So anytime you hear him speak, like that's Shia LaBeouf. Mm. And so Lucas Hedges, especially early on in this movie, kind of adopts that a little bit. Mm -hmm. Um, and maybe now is a good time to drop in a sound clip that I borrowed from another podcast, uh, called Honey Boy Podcast. That, yeah. Yeah. Before we do that, can sure. I just get a summary of your overall and sure. Like you liked it. I did like it. Okay. Yes. I, I would like to revisit it. I think what you're saying about it deserving a rewatch is pretty valid. Mm -hmm. I think some of the cinematography is beautiful. There's a lot of great use of slow motion stuff. I love the integration of um, us watching a movie and then seeing how, like seeing what he goes through actually making movies and then how you leave the set and some of those dresses follow you. I think it's a movie with a lot of ambition. I think for a first screenplay on Shia LaBeouf's part, it's really good. And I think Alma Harrell, the director it's also her first feature length. Oh, wow. 
I could be wrong, but I'm it's up there with her first ones. So it's it's a really solid first effort for both of them. I didn't love it, all caps, but I really liked it. That's why I resorted to I really dug this. Yeah. Like, I can't say yeah. that I loved it. Okay. But I really I did enjoy it. And I also think, I mean, it is a true-ish story, and mm-hmm. it takes a lot of chutzpah to be able to tell that story and and just the courage to open your open up the world to I mean, an already pretty public persona, but yeah. to kind of even pull back another curtain and be like, this is what uh, this is what I dealt with. Yeah. And I thought it was really interesting the way that he played his father. Yes. Like that would that's just it's it's crazy. It's a, such an ambitious, crazy thing for him to do. Yeah. Total artist move. What is also really interesting is you'll hear Shia LaBeouf talk about his relationship with his father now, and it's the opposite of what it is in the movie. Really? Yeah, which just speaks a lot to kind of what this movie suggests, uh, which I, I don't want to talk about now, I guess, but yeah. it's it's interesting to hear him talk about stuff. That is interesting. You know what else is interesting, too, is is the way that Lucas Hedges kind of prepped for this role. I think that kind of goes into your soundbite a little bit. We should drop that now. Okay. Again, this is a, a clip from... Okay, we should double check the name of this podcast. It was just the Honey Boy, Honey Boy podcast. podcast. Yeah, you can yep. find it uh, places where podcasts are. Chances are it's next to ours. Uh, so go check that out. But here's a clip from it. It's Shia LaBeouf uh, and Lucas Hedges talking about uh, being on set together just in like costume mode and you were pacing on set you were getting ready to go into the trailer to go film this the scenes in the yeah. trailer yeah we talked about it yesterday when he was listening to music he listening to music and yeah. i really wanted to like i not even in character nothing i needed to calm myself i was getting intimidated Whoa. fully intimidated by your prep i started getting very scared i thought <laughs> oh my god i'm not ready for this and i remember even saying to you like yeah. i'm intimidated he's intimidating me I need yeah, to I need like, a jab. Kind of, I need to like f- I need to like humanize him because I'm right, getting terrified. Because right. otherwise, it looks like I'm just coming to eat you. Yes, that was what it, I yes. bet it felt like. Yes, it did. I think feel that's that what way. it was. Also, like I because I didn't know how to connect to you, I wanted to eat you. Yes, you know and then I, mean? I started thinking this is this is maybe what my father was feeling also. Then I started leaning into that, thinking this is my father probably felt this. And then I was the enemy. Yes. Yeah. yeah. Yes. On that note, can I, I ask you about... That's all I want. Yes. Yeah. Can I ask that, like, about the polarity that you... Well, that's pretty meta. Right. Uh, there's actually a couple of meta elements in this movie, uh, especially at the end. But I think I think here... This, so this is a four-part uh, podcast, and there's a lot... I haven't heard the whole thing, but it gives you a lot of insight into the mentality of Shia LaBeouf in writing this story and telling the story. And for me, sort of helped me reckon with how it all plays out. Uh, it's interesting to get a, a, just a little peek into how you might put yourself in somebody else's shoes to try to understand where they're coming from. Yeah. Um, it's like acting like the, the, the act of acting. Sure. Like that taking on a persona. Yeah. And a persona that I, yeah, I can't talk about it without the danger zone without mm-hmm. being there. So never mind. But All right. we both like this movie. Mm-hmm. Is there anything else you want to talk about that we can talk about now? Yeah. I am definitely in agreement with you that it was a good movie. I, I kind of agree that it just wasn't put together in the most satisfying way. I think the roles are what carry this movie and the acting and, and that's what makes it worth it. Um, but yeah, it could have been put together a little bit more satisfyingly. Do you think that knowing this is about Shia LaBeouf makes you enjoy it more when you watch it? Probably. Yeah. Because he's also in it and you yeah. know, he wrote it and you know, it's going to be true to his experience to the best of his ability. So yeah, yeah, I I definitely think it did. I think if not that you should, but if you are able to take away the Shia LaBeouf factor, the fact that it's a true story based on his pretty troubled upbringing Mm -hmm. 
if you can take that away, I think this movie becomes a lot more average. I think just the the act of acting as your own father yep. adds layers on I, layers. I mean, that's some, but also even like being willing to, as your father, act with a person portraying you. Yeah, right. That's, I mean, that's got to do some stuff to your brain. For sure. And being willing to go there is cool. And I think in its best forms, art can can make us question these sorts of things. And um, so I don't think you should divorce the idea of this being his story. Uh, but if you could, I think just on a craft movie making uh, level, this is doesn't stand up nearly as well as the story itself does in the context in which it's told. Totally. That makes sense. Yeah. And I, I kind of forgot that it was about Shia LaBeouf a couple of times. Mm. Then you're like, oh, wow, that the he's playing his dad. Like once you, you have to, I almost had to remind myself of that a couple of sure. times. Like, yeah, this isn't just a random story. Like this dude is, was in this story, but like he's talking to his younger self. It was, yeah. 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 It needs another watch. Yeah, I think so. Um, have you, did Shalina go with you to see this? No, it's just no. me. Yeah, me too. I just watched it alone. Yep. With those four old guys. <laughs> it was me and like three or four other people too. Yeah. yeah. It was nice. Sweet. Well, uh, I say maybe we, we break it up one more time, uh, not spoil anything yet, and then maybe get into our second beer. Are you up, up to that? Yeah, let's do that. Before we do that though, we must rate. Indeed. Let We've us. reviewed. And now we, we rate. rate. Uh, okay. I, you went first last time, so I shall go first now. Let her rip. Solid eight. Solid eight. Solid eight out of ten. I was right in that region. Yeah, it's going to be like in like an eight, two. Okay. Um, performance based for sure. sure. Like objectively, maybe not the strongest movie, but there's so much more that's intangible that like just makes this movie ridiculously yeah. like powerful. Uh, and the the meta nature of Shia LaBeouf's writing and performance and portraying portrayal of his own father is. Uh, it's something else. It's a trip. When we come back, we're going to dive into a collaborative West Coast IPA called Mosaic Monday. I'm very excited because it looks like a very cool beer, and I'm very stoked to try it. Thanks for bringing it. Uh, listeners, stick around because we'll be right back. Huzzah. Uh, second, final beer. Johnny, you picked it out. Uh, very exciting. I'm sure we have some very fun knowledge to talk about. But first, just give me kind of the bare bones. What is it? Who makes it? That sort of thing. It's called Mosaic Monday. It comes in a 16-ounce can, and it was brewed by the Hop Concept and Society Brewing. It's a West Coast IPA, 7.5%. cost about 5 bucks for the can. It's a fresh IPA. We and our friends at Society would argue that there are not many better things on this planet. So we wanted to take our first collab to another level of freshness. Canned on Sunday and delivered on Monday, this Mosaic Forward IPA will be released during the 2019 San Diego Beer Week and will be available for an extremely limited time. After that, you'll be waiting till 2020 to get your hands on some fresh cans. Word. So, uh, and this is a fresh can. Society hadn't done any canning of their hoppy stuff, as far as Adam Martinez, their director of media and marketing, told us. Mm-hmm. So this is uh, hot off the press, as we say in the biz. Mm-hmm. Johnny, pour some for you. Pour some for me out of this classic a silver aluminum can with a wraparound white and green label with some very, if I recall, I can't see it, but nice uh, squares. Was it squares? How much? What am I? Oh, these, these little, uh, looks very um, table of elements, periodic table, table of elements to me. Yeah. Which great. makes sense. Yeah. 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 I'm a big fan of mosaic hops. Me too. We, yeah. I think, I think mosaics have for the past at least two or three years been in my top five hops of all time. The first one I remember being really like, wow, I love this is a St. Archer's uh, Mosaic, their double Mosaic IPA or something. I I tried it called Mosaic. It might be. Yeah. I tried it down in San Diego, actually, uh, right near the source. 
and it was great. So I'm hoping that this is a very mosaic forward beer. Um, and you're smelling it. Does it smell super hoppy and oh, fresh? It smells real good. Good. I love it. Yeah. It, my mouth is watering just from uh, the old sniffy sniff. Yeah. It's a little bit more orange than yellow. If, if, if I was looking, I am looking at it. If I had to judge it just stylistically based on how it looks, I don't know that my brain would go immediately to a West Coast IPA, but I'm guessing that by the time I stick my old schnoz in there, it's going to be pretty obvious. Mm-hmm. You tasted that's, it. That's real tasty. That's super fresh and it tastes it. Like we get so many IPAs that are just a hair on the older side. I mean, this this still has about uh, what four and a half months of life left. I really hate when they say freshest by. Yeah, because I don't. Under, everybody has different standards. Yeah, I wish we could just universalize a canning date thing. Just put that on there. Uh, but no, this says freshest by uh, March. I think that says first twenty twenty. Yeah. So and we're in December. So this thing is assuming this was canned maybe in October. Yeah, we'd have to look. No. No, no, no. Six months? I think San Diego Beer Week just happened. That'd be good to know. Yeah. You could look that up real quick. Yeah, I will. But uh, Tell me more. Yeah, it's super fresh, super crisp. Like, there's that taste you get when you have an IPA that's within a month old. I would put $5 on the fact that this is less than a month old. Uh, okay, so Beer Week was November 1st to the 10th. Okay. We are technically on December 19th, but you still might be right because they can it just after that, so... We'll say I owe you five bucks. It's, That's a really it's good guess. Right in that in that ballpark of only being a month old. And that is really just the magical, magical time where IPAs are at their freshest, their crispest. You get all the different things happening. It's super crushable. It's hoppy. It finishes dry. It tastes like hops and bitterness and everything you want a West Coast IPA to be. It reminds me of beers I grew up drinking of this style that got me Don't really say that you grew up drinking. <laughs> Dude, I've been drinking IPAs for like 10 years. Yeah, but yeah, okay. Uh, That's fair. Well, in my drinking career, sure. 21 plus, obviously. Yeah, mom would pour you a bowl of cereal and a big old beer on the side. No, just cereal and beer. Oh, the beer goes in yeah, the directly yeah. in. Uh, this is an amazing beer. Just let me pull back amazing. I have only drank it once. I'm not sure. It's a very, very good beer. Uh, and I think that I'm probably going to come around back to that A word. Oh, no. That's amazing. I love it. Um, I haven't had anything from society before. Okay. Honestly. Um, and I don't know that I've had stuff from the hop concept either. Have you? I would have to look it up. I'm pretty sure. Yes, I have. Because they did that series, uh, the Fresher series, like the Hop Fresher. And it looks like a like a, uh, a right. of those yeah, things. Yeah, air freshener. Air freshener, yeah. Uh, so we've definitely had beers from them. We've seen them on draft around time. Yeah, once it's, I see that label, it's like, oh, yeah, I have had that. Yes. I think I've had... Um, Whatever their green label is, I think it's the uh, the dank and sticky. Dank and sticky, yeah. That's and right. I know I've had the the tropical and juicy. Nice, dude. I don't know. They don't maybe get a ton of beers up this way. Uh, I've seen them on draft around town. Really? Yeah, they've had them on draft at Burgers and Brew. I've seen them at other different places that I can't recall, but I know I've seen them on draft. Can guarantee that I've had it at Burgers and Brew before. So they do Burgers make their way up here. And as far as society goes, I don't think we get much from them i'd no. have to like can you pull up their website yep. i don't really know if i've had a lot from them i'm trying to think there's some that sound familiar but i mean for a brewery that we don't get a lot of uh it makes me wish i did because this beer is absolutely phenomenal yeah i wish i mean i don't go to san diego that often um but whenever i do i it's always like the last day that i'm there i'm like oh wait there's like a thousand <laughs> breweries here yeah uh, and I should always go, but I almost never get to see as many things as I want. Um, let me see. Can yeah, you point let's more? Let's go for better? some beer. We're going to go beer. Okay, great. Yeah, let's see what else they do. 
Oh, okay. Oh, well, so, well. so a couple different series of beers here. Um, I don't think this falls into any of that. So, oh, wow, this is they make a lot of beers, man. Yeah, they do. Um, so basically, what we're seeing is four columns on their website. They have four different series: uh, Out West, Old World, Stygian, and Feral. And they have beers under all of them. I'm wondering if, in the time that I said all that, you found this one, but I don't see it either. Uh-uh. Well, uh, that makes sense. Do me a favor and just punch in Society Brewing and just hit images on Google, and maybe that would probably help us out a little bit more. It'll pull up all the popular stuff they've done. Because I even like to see their logo. I see the logo doesn't look familiar. Yeah, no, same. I want to go ahead and say we haven't had, I don't think I've had anything. If I have, it's not super memorable. So, yeah, okay. Uh, this beer's absolutely killer, though. I mean, this this is everything I want a fresh amazing west coast ipa to be it's it's definitely one of the better hoppy ipas i've had in in some time how much you say it was five bucks five bucks dude five bucks for a pint can is about right yeah and seven and a half percent so we're we're swinging in the big leagues yep that you know what's like i don't know baseball or sports really what's i don't want major leagues but i don't want minors or something in the middle you like triple a ball so this is like a triple a in terms of alcohol like it's strong but it's not like a nine percent beer and i think that's smart because so often when you get those like super strong double IPAs or triple IPAs that are hop forward, they tend to actually feel alcohol forward to me Yeah, and you lose some of the hop profiles. So something with my favorite hop like this, I, I'm glad I'm tasting it. Definitely. Make that front and center. Yeah. Or congratulations on making it front and center, I guess is what I'm trying to say. Exactly. And the hop concept has made, I mean, it's in their name. They've made a career as a brewery out of doing these hop forward beers. It's a good beer. It's so This is good. an amazing, this is a, this is a, I'm, I'm excited. This is a really good beer. Yeah. You said the A word. It's amazing. Yeah. <laughs> and I mean, you're, you're getting a brewery in the hop concept that that's their wheelhouse. Yeah, and totally. They know how to showcase the hop. This is on the upper echelon of alcohol for a single IPA. Like you said, before right it starts on, yeah. getting boozy, but uh, I can tell you what, I'm going to go back and buy a couple more cans of this just to drink on my own time. Cause yeah. this is, really 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 good it's surprisingly good yeah agreed i was i was again like i forgot that i had tried hop concept before yeah and i'm always wary of collaborations like this especially when it when they're regional collaborations and it's like it seems like that can sometimes be local breweries trying to bolster each other to get which is a great thing obviously but oftentimes those collaborations tend to be underwhelming yeah so i didn't have high hopes i was like maybe this will be good and it is very good definitely very excited yeah big fan Big, big fan. You ready to rate this? What do you think? Are you there? Do you need to drink it some more? I mean, I'm going to drink it some more regardless. Yeah, drink, well, we're going to drink all of it. I'm At this point, I'm looking for a bad thing about it. Yeah. That's where I'm, that's where I'm trying to change my brain to. Yeah. And I, I haven't I haven't found anything yet. You know, I want to. I want to just, because I didn't know if this was going to be a life-changing night for me in terms of beer, but I think it might be. This might be a new bar. This is a 9-2 for me. Why not a 10? Because I don't have more of it. That's not a reason. <laughs> no, I know. Um I don't know why not a 10. I mean, it's exemplary. It really is. I'm going to hold you to that one. If you can't come up with a reason, we're going to fight about this. Why don't, yeah. If you can't give me a solid reason, because that's almost an entire point you're docking it for nothing. Yeah. Because obviously I, I'm a 10. That's I, where I'm at. You can't just give out 10s. I don't just give out 10s. Yeah. That's why I'm so excited. Because I can't, usually with a beer, with a hop forward beer, like I said, it's, if it's a strong one, it's usually the alcohol that gets me. If it's a single IPA, it's usually something about the body. Or the hot profile, but this is made for me. Is it perfect? Yeah. Yeah. It's a perfect beer. Um, and sometimes like um like an like an you I always mix it up. Is it Euquinot or Equinot? Euquinot. Okay. I don't like that hop. 
It's mm. Azaka. Ugh, get I away. Love I know you do. Yeah. But so if you gave me a, a single hop Azaka West Coast IPA, I probably wouldn't like it. Even if it was a perfect beer, I don't like that hop. So the luck of the draw or the luck of your pick, I suppose, is that this is a hop that I love. It's not luck, bro. Fine. It's talent. The talent of your drawing uh, is that I love this hop and I love this beer because it it um, shines a light on that hop and it does it really, really well. I can't think of any reason. We got two tens across the board, I, I think. This is I know. this is a damn perfect West Coast IPA. Okay, so we have, judging by that, uh, by I'm lifting up the can, yeah. we probably have two and a half to three ounces left, which mm-hmm. is not the most easily shareable amount. No. And since it's both a 10, I, I suggest we rock, paper, scissors. That's for this. fair. Okay. Do you go on the third or on the fourth? One, two, three, shoot. On the fourth. Okay. Yep. One, one, two, three, three shoot. shoot. Damn it. Are we doing two out of three? No, we're doing one. All right. We're on a podcast. One. Wait, I'm already. All right. One, two, three, shoot. Okay, that's we we tied twice. One, two, three, shoot. Okay, here we go. One, one two, two, three, three rock. Shoot. Suck oh. it. There we go. Psychological All right. beat you. Give me that beer. It's so good. <laughs> um, that's okay. I we finished it and I literally like if I had another one, I would grab it and open it right now. Yeah. I also think I mean I didn't think about this until I poured it, but I think my glass was bigger than yours. I probably already had more than you. Yeah, it was. But you still have white claw, so you know what? You'll be all right. You want a rock, paper, scissors, man. It's fair is fair. That's Mosaic Monday. Collaboration between the Hop Concept and Society Brewing. Get your hands on it. Uh, it's probably still at Spike's Bottle Shop if you're here in Chico. Um, I would wager if you're between Chico and San Diego, you'll find it at a bottle shop that stocks quality craft beer. And apparently, it's a life-changing beer. It's certainly a, yeah, it's a, it's a night-changing beer, certainly. If you can get your hands on this, do it. I might go there on my way home to grab a couple more. It's a 10 for Johnny. It's a 10 for me. Johnny, how does this compare, if I may move us on, to a Four loco hard seltzer? Let's just go the opposite direction. We're entering hot and bothered. If you haven't heard the show, it's the part where we talk about our best parts of our weekend, our worst, a.k.a. what has us hot and or bothered. And I know for a fact that you tried, after much uh, trepidation and excitement, I think in equal parts, a Four loco hard seltzer. Yes. How was it? One of the worst liquid experiences I have ever had in my whole life. It is atrocious. Can I again jump in and maybe ask what your expectations were? I was scared that it would be good. That's true. I black cherry um, white claw is my favorite flavor. I buy twelve packs of it all it's the, the best time. Flavor. It's, in my opinion, the best flavor. Some mm. people would say raspberry. Some people would say mango. Mango, um, mango's good. Mango's all right, but it's not black cherry. Uh, but it is good. Yes. So I'm a black cherry guy, and this uh, four loco seltzer came out twelve percent. Yep. And it's uh, black cherry. Can I also just say that a white claw describes its flavor? We'll say black cherry. It says hard seltzer with a hint of black cherry, mm-hmm. which I think is a sophisticated, nice way of saying it. I feel like just based on what you told me before we started, the Four loco should have advertised it as like hard seltzer with a slap in the face of sugar that kind of tastes like cough medicine, like black cherry. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah. So what uh, proceeded to, to fall into my mouth was an amalgam of Robitussin, aspartame, and gnarly, like well tequila. That's um. You that's, just you mix all that up and like pour some club soda on top. Yeah, you have the four loco seltzer. Uh, I I move that it is the punishment for the next missed movie. That's, and then it's been a while since that's happened. And then possibly we never drink one of those again. So you did it one time only. Yeah. This so is like the rock paper scissors of this. Like, yeah. We just do it one time. Deal yep. with the punishment. Exactly. So I guess in that vein, can we talk about price? Can we talk about quantity? Normal for loco price. Like it's like $2, like $3, two, three bucks. Yeah. yeah. 
12% alcohol, just artificial tasting, just death. Like, it tasted like a sad blackout. Yeah. Way more so than a regular Four loco. Because, like, the fruit punch one, you're like, over ice, it's not bad. Like, this could segue into somewhat of a fun night. Like, this might not completely ruin my existence for the next 48 hours. Yeah. The seltzer, you're like, oh, oh, I'm going to need to, like, sleep in the bathtub. I mean, I don't know if you know this about me. When I get really drunk, I, I gravitate towards a bathtub. I don't know why that is. I think it's a womb thing. Do you pee the bed? No, no, no. I used to. Is that but, part of that? Yeah. Oh, I wet the bed until I was 14. A lot of people that, like, did that as children sometimes still do that when they're super blacked out and will want to sleep in the tub. I actually haven't done it. Like, I haven't done it maybe once since I was 14. It wasn't because I was drinking, I yeah, don't think. But your subconscious is totally. a motherfucker. Um, anyways, all that to say, so, so you prefer... Not the best way to put the sense, but you prefer a regular Four loco. If I'm drinking a Four loco, yeah, I'm going to lean towards a different flavor. When's the last time you had a Four loco outside of this podcast? Don't. You've never had one? I, I have. Like, the, uh, outside this podcast? Probably, like, at a party, just as a joke. Yeah, okay. You know, it was with you. Was it? At the, the one of the shares at my house where we did the Four loco keg stand. That was for this podcast. <laughs> oh, but it wasn't on the podcast. That's true. But it was a it was a Patreon. Again, patreon.com if you want to be part of this. It was a Patreon event. Yeah. Yeah. Um, okay. Interestingly enough, uh, if you guys have not had a chance to catch up, we put out a sort of a bonus episode a few days ago uh, with my friend Kevin in Reno. And we talked about on our bonus content, this sort of exact thing. We it, Four loco came up and sort of the business design of how you can get basically shut down because they had the caffeine thing. Yeah. And like, well, we'll just make new stuff and we'll take the caffeine out. And there's been this sort of arms race for the best, uh, purest, delicious hard seltzer. Yeah. And it was for a long time, like White Claw versus Truly. That's not even a competition. And it's not. And yeah. But marketing wise, they act like it is. Yeah. Um, but then somebody had the idea like, well, maybe we make a hard seltzer, but it's not 5%. It's like 7%. I think that was PBR. Yeah. And then like companies have been ramping it up and it seems like this is the pinnacle of whatever this weird thing is obviously four loco is going to push it to the goofiest yeah. wonkiest extreme yeah and uh, yeah i think it says a lot that you can buy a uh, i think it's a 16 ounce white claw for 50 cents more than you can buy a 24 yeah ounce it's a four loco. i actually just bought a white claw a tall can before i came here it was uh, a 19.2 ounce oh that's what for it is stove pipes al- almost the exact same price as a 24 ounce and four a loco. third of the alcohol not quite half ish yeah two two and a half Two and a half. Yeah. Something like that. Still so much better of a drinking experience. Well, not only though, this week, did you, let me phrase that better. I want to make it sound like a better setup. Not only though, did you therefore because. (laughs) Okay, Johnny, I know your week was bad with a four loco, but you did also happen to see a terrible movie. I did. (laughs) And there's, there's another part to this. The four loco? This, this bothered. Oh yeah. I I should have drank the four loco to make this movie tolerable. I want to tell about the movie and then I have questions. So, okay. There's a movie that just came out on Netflix and it is a Michael Bay film. I don't know if you know this guy, but he's, he's known for some subtle filmmaking. It's going to be a great tie in. Yeah. I was going to let you take it unless you don't. It's transformers. Shia LaBeouf. Michael Bay. Yeah. Okay. That was my tie in. Okay. Okay. <laughs> um, I forgot about that. Yeah. He, that's, that's, his, that's his franchise. Yeah. No, yeah. he's known for super subtle, nuanced, independent filmmaking, Indeed. a lot of black and white stuff. Yes. No, he's known for ridiculous explosions and just over the top, silly goose times. Yeah. So he did that and it came out on Netflix. It's a movie called Six Underground. And it's basically every Michael Bay movie that's ever existed, but with more car chases somehow 
and Ryan Reynolds, Ryan Reynoldsing all over the screen. Can I just say on paper, the sound, the way you're describing it, it sounds like, again, like I know what I'm in for here. So I'd watch it if that's what I wanted to watch. And if that's what I want to watch, I'm going to enjoy the hell out of this movie. Yeah. Is that not because you didn't like it? I didn't know. The reason that it's on my bothered is because I woke up the next morning and me and Shalina had both watched this. Sure. And neither of us could. We watched the first half of it, right? Okay. Because the problem also is that it's over two hours long. We, yeah, we watched an hour and a half of it, and we're like, all right, it's almost over, right? We pause it. There's still an hour left. I mean, I don't want to draw this connection, but I feel as though I have to. Is this the same night that you drank the Four loco? No. Okay. And for the record, I sipped the Four loco to try it and poured it out. I was going to say, did you finish it? That was no. A, that was like no, no, no. It. it was sampled it. It was awful. Threw it out. Um. So, yeah, we got through an hour and a half of this movie. Okay. Paused it to see how much time was left and turned it off because there was too much because it was a work night. Woke up the next day, and when we both got home from work, I was like, we should finish that movie we started last night, but I cannot for the life of me remember what it was. Right. And neither could Shalina. Well. It was so unmemorable. What is the name? I mean, what is the name? Can you give me a brief synopsis of the movie? All right. So, Six Underground is the story of six special ops type people that have been brought together. Ryan Reynolds plays a billionaire tech genius that dies, but doesn't actually die is in a plane crash, presumed dead. And the six underground premise comes in that there are six operators that are quote unquote dead, but are not actually dead. Therefore they are free from the, in the uh, restraints of being alive and having responsibilities and families and all that. And they can operate, Basically, like pure black ops without any consequences because on paper they don't exist. Right. So they're sure. essentially. Okay. So it's already more. It seems more real worldy than I was hoping. Oh yeah, no, it's it's like I'm gonna finish it. Yeah, okay. it's just it was so unmemorable because it was simply like just like zero calorie, zero substance, just yeah. cheese. But I mean, it wasn't bad. It just bo- it bothered me and Shalina that neither of us could actually remember what movie we watched. That's, I mean, that's a big thing. And it it made us both kind of giggle. And we're like, oh, yeah, the Ryan Reynolds thing with the thing and the explosions. I'm going to read you a part of a one and a half star out of five star review on Letterboxd that says, what if I told you I know what happens when you die? You become a ghost trapped in Shadowland. Peculiar specificity and unbalanced experimentation aside, Michael Bay's most distinct ability as a filmmaker happens to be his greatest drawback. He doesn't give a single fuck. <laughs> this movie was made with $150 million. Netflix was just like, Michael Bay, you be you. Mm-hmm. And what's crazy about the review, I was looking them up while you were speaking. Um, they're either like one or two stars or five stars. Yeah. And a five star review of this movie. Uh, I just had it. Let me pull it up again. Sounds like this. Much more than Bayhem, in quotes, which is uh, should be in the Oxford Dictionary. It's a good day for Thunder Bay. Which usually consists of sustained formalistic excess within, excess within wonky, poorly paced narratives of childish escapades, casual racism, and river streams of vulgarity. This has all that. Don't worry. But it's within a plot structure of a tightly wound, often unbearably breakneck adventure. It didn't have much racism. This puts, Why? The, <laughs> this puts the pedal to the metal from frame fucking one and is never, not once, lets up, even if it thinks that it's slowing down. Spoiler, it's not. I, I think this is a movie about what you want of your night. Yeah. And again, I haven't seen it. Should I see it? If you're in the mood for that. I'm not getting the name out of my head at this point. It's Six Underground. I'm six not going to have your problem. I'm going to remember what it's called. Okay. Uh, if you're in the mood for that, which is just um, to be blindly 
bombastically entertained with explosions and car chases. And there was, I am a sucker for a car chase. And that's probably the only thing that's going to get me back into this movie and watch that last hour yeah. is I know there's at least one more car chase because the first hour and a half of this movie, probably a solid 40 minutes of it were in a car. I mean, that's something. It's well, pretty cool. But so was Mad Max Fury Road. Yeah. But that movie Different was movies. awesome. <laughs> uh, uh, but I love the yeah. car chases and All like right. that Fast and the Furious style. Just- How many of the Fast and Furious movies have you seen? There's like eight, right? I think I've seen four Maybe five. Can you uh, commentate on what the best one is? What's your favorite movie? I, I, I liked Fast and the Furious 2. Mm. Too Fast, Too Furious. Oh, sure. The first one is kind of classic. I think I've read a lot about people saying the fifth one is sort of the one. Oh, is that where they hit it? Took, it's, fifth well, mov- <laughs> took five movies well, to really get the, in the groove? The fifth one sort of redefined. I was Who was it? Oh, it's a. here comes a couple of shout outs. It's a podcast that friend of the show, Jared Schmidt, turned me on to. It's called Unspooled. Um, it's very, very good. Most of the time they review old classic movies, but it's the end of the year. So they were compiling a top uh, 10 movies of each year or top two movies of each year leading up, totaling like 20 movies. And one of them was Fast Five, I think is what it was called. And they were making the case that without the fifth movie in the Fast and Furious franchise, you wouldn't have modern John Wick. You wouldn't have a lot of these action movies that are sort of hmm. um, what they are. Interesting. And I haven't seen enough of the Fast and Furious movies to really agree or disagree. Is that the last one with Paul Walker? I don't know. Hmm. But it, it, I do remember there was a point in this franchise where it became less about guys with muscles driving cars with muscles and more kind of like sleek and spy-ish. And I think it was that one. Okay. More like international. Hmm. Um, all that to say, I like car chases also. Fair enough. Finish that movie and let me know what you think. I will. Okay. I will. So that's my bothered and my hot this week. I have one. I'll make it brief because I've been talking for a long sure. time. Uh, first of all, I've been watching a ton of stuff on Netflix and streaming. I just finished two series. Uh, one is Atypical Season 3. Loved it. Watch it. Okay. Uh, second one, watched a series from like 2001 about a, two couples uh, trying to live as pioneers. In, uh, it was a Canadian TV reality show. Oh. And they lived for a whole year with like 18, late 1800s technology. They had to build... Why would you do that? Dude, it was so cool. It'll change your perspective. It'll mess sure. your head up. Yeah, it was sure. amazing. It's on Hulu. If you want that info, just text me. Otherwise, my hot for this week is a series based on a movie, and it's called What We Do in the Shadows. You already talked about this. We talked about it because we drank the beer, and I said, like, I think I'd seen one episode yeah, of the it. TV show, right? Watch the whole thing. The, yeah. Taika Waititi is pretty sure a genius god yep. person. Uh, if you haven't seen it, I just have to say simply watch it. It is perfect comedy. And also get your hands on what we drink. Well, we didn't actually like that beer, so never mind. It was fine. No, it wasn't. It was bad. Was it bad? <laughs> I think we there was a beer we drank called What We Drink in the Shadows. Yeah. Um, and I remember thinking, or I think I remember saying, I wish we had just talked about the show. Yeah. That then we started. But the reason we talked about the show is because of the beer. So Yes. But the show is available on Hulu. They actually have a new season coming out in 2020. So it is relevant again. Uh, the movie came out in 2014. If you haven't seen it, go watch it. But Taiko Waititi is a genius, and he is going to be more and more relevant as time goes on. And what we do in the shadows is, in my opinion, the perfect vampire horror comedy modern day series. Sure. So Great. check it out. Yeah. So I watched a movie, and I'm going to include this as my my hot this week, um, that you have watched before. It's a film that came out in 2017. It's called The Ritual. It was directed by David Bruckner. It's a it's a horror film about a group of friends 
that after a tragedy where one of their friends is murdered, they decide to honor him by taking a trip to Sweden to walk through the mountains and do this trail that he always wanted to do when he was alive. And they put his ashes on top of the mountain. And slowly but surely, uh, things get a little bit crazy as they are stalked by a an unseen monster in the forest. It's a pretty traditional storyline. This yes. happens a lot in horror movies. Mm-hmm. Group of friends, wilderness, very Blair Witchy, I think. Um, not so much in the found footage regard, but it's hard to when people are going crazy in a forest, camping in tents and things happen at night, your brain goes to Blair Witch. Yep. Um, so I put it on on a night where I was like, I need something to fill the time. This has decent reviews. And I'll throw it out. Rafe Spall's in it. He was in an episode of Black Mirror, uh, the Christmas episode season two. Really good in that. So I was like, he's going to be fine. And I was pleasantly surprised. This is a great movie. I'm going to read you my Letterboxd review really quickly. It's a four star out of five. I like this quite a lot. Good. And I said, it's everything I love about horror movies and almost none of the things that I don't. It's a film that circumvents jump scares and instead relies on steeping its audience in a creepy atmosphere and lets the story and the, and the cinematography do the talking. It's beautifully shot and the sound design is top notch. Rafe Spall, who I remembered from Black Mirror's Black, or White Christmas, is definitely the standout and delivers a nuanced performance with shades of guilt, fear, and regret. It's all about how he could have maybe he was with their friend. When's the last time you saw this, by the way? I watched it within the last couple of months. Okay. Very recently. So he's in a liquor store and this is when his friend gets murdered and he possibly could have saved him if he had stood up, but he hid behind a, whatever, a shelf. Um, while the messages of the ritual uh, aren't so subtle, I don't think they have to be. Um, like, this isn't the Babadook, which you don't realize what it's about until the very end. You're like, oh, that makes so much sense. Um, it feels like something along the lines of the Babadook and the Blair Witch and kind of Midsommar, because it's in Sweden. Mm, yeah. uh, and my last visit to Sweden was that movie. Actually, it was actually my honeymoon, but my last visit on film was Midsommar, which is uh, very scary. Yeah. Um, it's a folk, it's a folk horror story, basically uh, along the lines of like the wicker man also maybe comes into play. Um, I'd love to show it to a friend or something, but it's a, it's a movie that caught me off guard pleasantly. I like horror movies sometimes, Yeah, but they're tricky because I'm not, I'm not a fan of like gore horror. You like good horror movies. I do, but people define that differently. I love psychological yeah. horror. Um, particularly when there's a message about humanity or, or, how we deal with emotions. Yeah. Well, and I've noticed you're, you're a bigger fan of like horror, uh, leaning heavily towards suspense. Yeah. You like that. Like you use that word steeping in. It's just, yeah, it's know. a mood. Like you, yep. there's certain movies, ones that I love are just like, you feel something building, but it's not tangible. Like the witch. Sure. Yeah. Yep. That's the a witch good is a example, example. Yeah. Of that. Just that overall. Or mood. hereditary. Oh, like, or even, even something like us, uh, from Jordan Peele that we covered at some point. Granted that one's a little bit, it toys with um, genre yes. conventions a little bit better yeah. um, or not better, but uh, more traditionally, like there's sort of the whole home invasion stuff, which is very by the book horror. Mm-hmm. Um, but there's still an atmosphere of tension and creepiness. And um, I think it would, it would be worth saying that the, the cinematography in the ritual is top notch. It's crazy. It's really good. Yeah. There are some moments that I was, cause I was watching it on a night where I wasn't prepared to be engaged in something. And then it caught me in the first 20 minutes. Um, but there's like st- you could take stills out of that movie and just admire them. It's really, really well shot. People's couple spoilers here coming into the ritual. Go watch it if you want. I think you should. You get more about the monster than I expected. Mm-hmm. At the very end, you basically see this monster, and this is like big deer mule thing, tree yeah. monster thing. Mm-hmm. But I loved it. That's it's cool. a new mo- it's got like little eyes down here that like entrance you and like bring out your deepest fears. And then it, I think it eats you, maybe, or puts you in a tree. 
something like that. It doesn't matter. Yeah. It's creepy. There's all sorts of like culty stuff that happens at the end. I love when a movie boils and boils and boils and then finally like an explosion. And that's what happens here. You find it like he gets captured and then somebody gets sacrificed and you find out there's this whole cult of people that live in the woods that sacrifice people so they can, I guess, keep living in the woods. <laughs> is it maybe it's that reality show you're talking about? Maybe that's been. what it is. It could have been. Uh, anyways, that's a ritual. Check it out. It's on Netflix. Hell yeah. That's a great movie. I'm yeah, glad you liked it. It's a really it. good movie. Okay. Is there anything bothering you? No. No? I don't care. All right. Well, then let's get back to that sweet, sweet honey boy. We shall enter the danger zone. Be prepared. Bun, dun, dun. Danger zone. Danger zone. Danger zone. Danger zone. Danger zone. Danger zone. We're getting dangerous, bro. We're there. I must have changed my seat because I feel like I'm slouching. Like I'm having like hunch forward. No, you like can change your posture. Is that what it is? Because scoot your butt forward. All right. There you go. Okay, we're in the danger zone. Huh. Good. Honey boy. Get dangerous. We're talking about it like we all just walked out of the theater. So if you're avoiding spoilers, go see the movie and come back and finish this. Do you remember that rule that we made up that when you watch a movie, if they say the name of the movie yes. in the movie, you have to uh, take a shot of whiskey? It's, it's, I, well, I don't think we put that in stone, but yeah. I put it in stone. You took a bottle of whiskey to the theater? No, Just but if I would have, I would have been hammered. Yeah. Well, I think I can remember two times. I was times. drinking already. Sure. I remember two times that it happens. I would have taken probably four shots of whiskey. Just for fun? Or do you remember four times? I think there was four. Yeah, I never really understood why he called him that. I don't, if you're going to name the movie that I'd, as an audience member, like maybe explain it one time. Yeah. His dad would call him honey, Shia LaBeouf. Honey here. boy. How are we going to talk about this? Because at this point, I think we know it's about Shia LaBeouf. So we're just going to, I'm going to talk about it like. When I say his dad, I mean Shia LaBeouf's dad, though it's Shia LaBeouf's acting. Yeah. But I'm going to say dad. Dad. Is that cool with you? Yes. Okay. I consent. Which is a pretty good segue to talking about the redemption arc of the dad. By the end of the movie, we are encouraged, I think, as viewers, to want to forgive this guy. There's this final scene with with Lucas Hedges and Shia LaBeouf. I didn't get that. He goes back to him after his rehab, and he basically says, hey, dad. I'm making a movie about you. Dad says, make me look good. That's the other meta element. It's like, we're talking about this movie while we're watching it. Crazy. Mm-hmm. Um, and again, like this might have to do with how much I've heard about Shia LaBeouf talk about his dad now. Mm. Cause when you, when you hear him talk about it, it's like, they're cool. He's right? He's just a happy old guy. He loves, you know, whatever he's come around. Um, and part of that podcast we listen to is sort of Shia LaBeouf coming to terms with how it must've been for his dad. Um, a lot of like inferiority complex stuff for from a failed performer seeing his son being successful and that kind of stuff. But and we can debate this, but from from my viewing experience, we are supposed to be like, okay, he's a good enough guy. Great, they're gonna be better. My problem is that he's not, though. In this movie, this guy is one of the least likable, most irredeemable people ever. Yeah. Beats his kid. Goes and does drugs, leaves his kid alone. Like, and he's those constantly are, aggressive. And those are just like the highlights. I think yeah. the more uh, encompassing thing is he's just shitty in general all the time. Yeah. Like, I would rather have someone hit me once or twice yeah. every once in a while than just be degrading mm-hmm. and persistently awful and that's him at his best it every interaction like he's either insulting his kid basically yeah or trying to trying to brag to somebody outside of them and seeming kind of okay towards his son yeah. or like full-on hitting him mm-hmm. well, hitting maybe he only does that like twice in the movie but yeah. it's that's enough it's yeah. enough times it's enough so that was a big problem for me i think i think the ending particularly in the tying up of that relationship felt really rushed um 
just from a movie perspective. I'm sure that's maybe how it felt to Shia LaBeouf in real life, but it almost it, the the end of the movie seemed a bit ethereal mm-hmm. in that, like when you went to see him, I kept wondering if they were actually sitting next to each other. I kept, totally. And then there was that scene of them on the motorcycle, but then all of a sudden it was oh, just right. Lucas Hedges by himself. Yeah. So like, was this like some metaphorical rehabby closure? That he was like striving for in his mind. Interesting. I didn't think about it that way. Like him actually like taking that step to forgive his father, whether his it actually happened in person right. or was this in Trial Above's mind? Because we had that other flash, not a flashback, but hold on, I just need you to acknowledge that that was some deep ass insight. Oh no, I am. I'm going off. Your I can. Idiot I, can I can pause and, and acknowledge. <laughs> Let me acknowledge that. Yes. And now I will continue to elaborate as though I expected you to say it in the first place. Absolutely. Duh. There was a scene where he goes to his dad and he pictures his dad finally telling him he loves him. But what he gets instead Mm. is his own brain putting in a line from an actor he worked with earlier that day. Very interesting editing trick. Very cool. And it was while his dad was watching that episode. Yes. That was super. That was cool. That was a neat neat thing. Um, There's another. I think this one was a dream because there are some dream elements here. Where he, we don't know he's dreaming, but he's, he's walking into the place and you start hearing audio of he and his father talking, but it's clearly through like a radio or something or, or a, like a little tape recorder. Yeah. And then he wakes up. It's like that kind of stuff. I think you could make a case for this, the whole final sequence being um, wishful thinking. Yeah. But I don't think that's what it is. If I had to guess one way or another, I think that's probably how it went down more or less. But I, so, which is why I don't buy it. Like, I don't think that. Even after the seven years, I think is what Shia LaBeouf was talking about on that podcast about not talking to his dad. I think coming out of that and being like, hey, I'm making a movie about you. All right, make me look good. <laughs> All right, yeah, pops. I don't know. Well, I mean, me the wrong way. in that situation where it's been seven years, Shia LaBeouf's been to rehab. Mm-hmm. All these things have happened in Shia LaBeouf's mind mm-hmm. and in his personality. I mean, his dad wouldn't have changed. Like it would be, probably would, not, you know, but he took the steps to forgive and grow as a person. It would have been him as a different person going back and yep. sitting with his father by a pool who has not changed at all. Yeah. So like, I kind of bought it like that. Cause like, if it had been this big gap of time and he had, he had made the step to forgive, it would have been just falling back into the same old trappings and his dad was still kind of a dick. Yeah. And we didn't really spend a lot of time with him at the end. So that very well could be it. I just don't. I don't want to be asked to forgive that guy sure. from my position. I don't I don't have a reason to. Well, and I don't think this movie expects you to. I don't know. It really felt like it to me. But did you see the movie? And at the end, you said he's making a movie about him, and his dad says, make me look good. Well, and that's, the whole movie could be a middle finger to his father. Right, but then why include that, maybe just include that scene to, to point it out? Like, I'm and not making you look just good, see, even though you asked me to. I think it'd be to point out his father's endless narcissism. Like, but then they include those real life shots of him afterwards, and he seems, at least in interviews, very affectionate towards his dad these days. Yeah. So I don't like what. It was just very confusing to me. I don't understand what I'm supposed to feel. I know what I felt when his dad was so convinced that he was always doing the best he could and like good enough that like he thought he should be portrayed well in a movie. Like it just to me, it portrayed his father's own ignorance that he thought he should be portrayed well in this movie. Like, what? Yeah, I mean... Like, you know, and then you think back on the whole movie and you're like, we're hearing about the movie they're talking about and it doesn't go as well as you think it will, Dad. Mm, Sure. You know, so I I thought that was an illustration of that ignorance. Fun fact, his dad um, actually did a bit of advising on this movie. Really? Yeah, for some, this is again, I think from this podcast, but there's a lot of information in that podcast. Yeah, I'm going to listen to it. If you like this movie, go listen to that. Again, it's a Honey Boy podcast. Um. But what his dad focused on was like 
getting the costume right, hmm. getting his clown costume. Like that was a big thing for him. Weird. It says a lot about um, the when you don't have control about how people think of you, you latch onto the things that you can. Yeah. It's an interesting state of uh, state of affairs for people's brains. Sometimes. It is, man. That's weird. And it's also like makes you wonder – like was that still like shades of self-absorption coming through? I mean, like, probably want to make sure my shit looks good. Like, yeah. you know, that's weird. That's a weird thing for him to hyper focus on. Yeah. I had something else. I was trying to think of, um, you, you see this a lot in, in parent abuse kind of movies. There'll be one scene where the parent reflects upon how they are better at least than their parents. Mm. So he's talking about Shia LaBeouf's playing. So here we go. Dad is in a rehab session or in an AA meeting or something. And he's like, my dad would just show up and he would beat us. And his, I think it was like girlfriend would also beat them senseless. Like she wore a cast. His mom left his dad and his mom liked women. And oh, that's his mom's yep. girlfriend would beat him until she broke her hand. That's right. And so yeah. And they almost in these movies, in movies about this kind of stuff, there's almost always like one segment where the person talking is like, at least I'm not doing that. Yeah, or like I'm doing the best I can. Yeah, but it's like you're not though. Yeah. And it, which I guess is the point, but yeah. That yeah. is the point. And that's such yeah. an abusive person, addict person. Mm-hmm. That's like the mantra of people that have these yeah. lifelong diseases or problems, you know, and it's like that's often seen as just it's a cop out, you know. Yeah, and totally. in this movie you could absolutely take it as that, like, yeah, that's cool, but that's not good enough. Yeah. Like the best you can is still really mm-hmm. awful. What's that song? Twisted Sister. If that's your best, your best won't do. So we're not going to take it. You know, yeah. It's a good song. It is a good but song. But also a little bit dark when you put it in this context. Right. Uh, I liked Honey Boy. Me too. I will watch it again. Definitely. Uh, I th- again, not. I don't need to rehash my thoughts. You've already heard the podcast, so never mind. Anything else you want to talk about? <laughs> do you think uh, Shia LaBeouf's going to win an Oscar for this no. role? No. I super don't. Lots of people do. No, I I would bet he doesn't. Do you think he would win? Could win an Oscar for screenplay? I do not. Okay. Um, do you just see him winning anything for this? No, really? Yeah, I don't. Um, okay. It's been a really competitive year yeah. for stuff. And as much as I think this movie should be considered, if you're asking me if I think it will happen, if you have two um, people like Quentin Tarantino and Martin Scorsese doing stuff, I mean that's gonna that's gonna wipe a lot of stuff. Yeah. Um, plus I mean, like with the movie we talked about at the top of the episode, marriage story yep, is, is coming in hot. So marriage story, I think is objectively better than honey boy. Okay. And I think there are a lot of movies out this year that are objectively better than honey boy, which is not to downplay honey boy. It's just to speak to the times. Good year for movies. I think. Yeah. Um, then that's a good, good statement. Yeah. I'd be happy if it did. I just, I just think there's between the way that, um, the Academy Awards tend to go in terms of like Hollywood legacy and, and playing to people that have done it for a long time. And I, I just don't think that this movie has a place this year, which sucks. Yeah. It's one of those movies that, you know, is maybe overshadowed by other ones that came out. Like I remember, I can't remember what movie it was, but there was like green book, an amazing movie that came out the same year as like Titanic and oh. like Shawshank Redemption. You know what I mean? Sure, there was one of those, <laughs> one of those years where I was like, dude, this is bad timing. Like, yeah, you should have come out the next year. Um, yeah. that's interesting. That makes me really look forward to our Academy Awards breakdown. I'm very excited for that. That's going to be fun. I want to say one more thing. Actually, I realized I mentioned earlier that I didn't love the way that the auxiliary characters were portrayed. Oh yeah. Well, yeah. In particular, there are two in particular. Are we going to talk about, um, uh, sexy do, boots? Do you want to know her name? She is a, I think she's a, a rapper. Um, 
Oh yeah, she's she's an English singer, songwriter, dancer, record producer, director, and actor. You could not have sounded more white when you said that. A rapper. I think she's a rapper. Sorry, her name is, and I'm just gonna do my best here because it's very untraditional. It's the letters FKA, all in caps, and then the word Twigs. FKA Twigs is her name. Fuck a Twigs. So, yeah, we should definitely talk about that. Hmm. But I was gonna get it more. Um, the Lucas Hedges aged version in rehab. Okay, he has a friend played by Byron Bowers. And I just, like, they could, for as, it wasn't only an hour and a half movie, so it's not like there was a ton of space to add stuff, but I wanted more than the, um, I mean, it felt a little bit like a, uh, like a token black dude, like to just make jokes, like a, a comedic relief, no dimension person of color to be there to, I don't know. And that would be maybe fine by itself, but then you also have, the whole prostitute thing and she doesn't have much backstory and all of their neighbors are just like loud, annoying people of color. I just, and I, I don't, I might be grasping at straws, but it feels like there was room to develop some of these characters and they just didn't. Well, they developed the, the girl a little bit. She was abused. She was mentally abused and yelled at and her mom hits her and they end up bonding over that and their trauma and they end up finding each other. And that's probably fair. Like she had some depth to her character. She didn't have many lines. She, I literally, I noticed the first time she spoke, it was like right at the end. I was like, like, have you not spoken this whole time? Right. She's got a very distinct uh, way she spoke. It was, uh. I don't know. I noticed that. I was like, you haven't said a word this whole time. Yeah. I think her teeth are messed up a little bit. Like she had like crooked teeth. I was like, I haven't seen your teeth. Mm. Maybe that's a weird way to notice that, but that's yeah. what I noticed. I didn't remember her teeth. Yeah. Can we talk about their relationship briefly? It, it was, uh, n- it felt borderline to me. Borderline, um, pedo-y. Yeah. So she's, I would have guessed like late, t- like 19. Yeah. 20 maybe. And he's 10. 12. Yeah. Okay. And it towed the line between Almost this really comforting, sensual, like cuddling thing, but then also very sensual cuddling is a, you're right. That even that's too much. Yeah. (laughs) Okay. Let me, let me reel it in. Then it felt like for a moment at first protective mama bear cuddling. Right. And then it kind of turned into like romantic chemistry for a second. Weird sexual tension between these two characters. And then find like, I let out such a large sigh of relief when they just like laid down. He put his head like right in her little shoulder neck nook Mm -hmm. and they just laid there. And they'd each kiss each other on the cheek. And then he lays down for a second. And then he like jumps up in a hurry, runs to her drawer, gets money out and gives it to her. Cause he's seen her get money before and presumably seen his dad like pay prostitutes. And that made it dirty again. Yeah. Granted at that point, it's the kid's perception and I'm not going to hold that against him, but it's everything that came before. Like it was shot in such a way that felt very pre sex scene. Yeah. Me. I was like, what, why? I what know. is this? I was seriously concerned. We were about to watch 12 year old Shia so LaBeouf. Have sex. Yeah, it was very str- Yeah, I don't know, man. And Shia LaBeouf, again, like, kind of a weird dude nowadays. Like, I don't know if you've seen Nymphomaniac, but you see all of him in that. Hmm. Very, very experimental. He's got, like, he doesn't, not concerned with this k- kind of thing, I don't think. Mm. I still haven't seen that. It's not good. Okay. It would be good if it weren't for the ending. The ending ruins it. Okay. It's actually in two parts, so maybe watch the first part and then most the second and just stop. Okay. There's a point in that movie where you could stop it and it would be a great story. And then Lars... Fucking Von Trier, because that's who he is, just is like, let's just go ahead and just do this. And then there's Instead, a climax. There's n- no, there isn't. So that was a- I know what you're saying. There's not. I know. Unfortunately. That's not bad. unfortunately. It's probably better that there isn't. 
Yeah. We don't have to talk about that movie. No, this isn't going to make any sense to people that haven't seen it, including me. I'm Unless not, if you're listening, you have, and you're like, I know, man. Like people See, I, I don't even know what's happening yeah. right now. So. Okay. Anything else on Honey Boy? No. Let's put this Honey Boy to bed because uh, I liked it. I think it was a little bit flawed, and there was things we didn't like about it, and it's up against some tough competition. Don't see it winning many awards, but overall- I'd worth, like to see it get a nomination. Worth watching. That'd be nice. It was worth watching. Yeah. If for nothing else, to follow along with the- Ever blossoming and increasingly interesting career of one Shia LaBeouf. Indeed, if you do get a chance to see it, or you try any of the beers we've drank today, all two of them, Sweet Baby Jesus or Mosaic Monday, let us know. You can reach out to us in all the places we said at the top of the show. If you were on the fence, and by the end of this episode, you're like, you know what? I do, I do want to help these guys out. How can I do it? I have zero dollars. I can tell you right now. You can give us a rating. You can give us a review on iTunes or Apple Podcasts. I never know what they're called nowadays. Or if you do have a buck or two to spare, you can join us on Patreon.com. I want to say, uh, on my behalf, my name is Max Minardi. And I am Johnny Summers. And without Bailey Minardi, this show would not be possible. Thank you for listening. We'll be back in your ears in just a couple of days with some more movies and some more beers. And we appreciate the hell out of you. That's right. We do. We'll see you next week with our Christmas extravaganza with Star Wars. Oh, I have a special beer for next week, actually. I saw it in the fridge. Shit, I was hoping to surprise you. I am surprised. Did you look closely at it? A little. Yeah. Damn it. It's kind a Norwegian of- beer. Saved it. I'm excited. All right. We'll see you next week. Love you. Love you. Bye. This is Fresh Hop Cinema.